This morning we'll, we'll talk about the church and church membership. And I, I, I didn't really know how, what I was going to call this. I don't really even like that title, but, but it'll suffice because it covers what, what, it, what is coming in the lesson. But as we think about the church, and we've gone through in these past five weeks, I think it has been, uh, we've gone through the different avenues of worship, the scripturally authorized avenues of worship that the Lord has set forth for his church, with, of which he has control and authority over. And as we remember those things, and as we think back to those lessons, and I encourage you, those lessons are now posted on YouTube. Go back and listen to them and refresh yourself if, if, you, if, if you missed some of them. Uh, I, I think you'll find that to be edifying to hear those in, in order. Um, Anderson, someone else just pulled in. He just locked the door. <laughs> but uh, I think you'll find that edifying in, uh, to, uh, to go through and listen to those in series. But as we think about the church and we think about, we've thought about how we are to properly worship and conduct ourselves in the worship, we want to continue and think a little bit more about the church and church membership. In Hebrews 10, starting at verse 24, very familiar scripture, a passage of scripture. Uh, in verse 24, we read, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that's what we're here to do today in this time of strife in the world. And I guess no matter what time you can think of in history, there's been some strife here or there in the, in the world. And in this, in this present time, we have our own distressing times that, that uh, with the virus and with all the things that are going on in the world, all the turmoil and all of the, all of the uncertainty over the future. Uh, we, we can get bogged down with that. And we need to realize that meeting together, we can build each other up. When we come together like this, when we uh, can have a moment to worship together as the Lord has commanded, and it's no mistake that this is part of his plan, that, that he commanded that we worship like this, that we come together because he, he made us. He understands us, and he understands that we need each other. Now, we are social creatures. And when we look out into the world, the world... Uh, and even academia, they wouldn't argue that point. They would say that human beings are social creatures. In fact, if uh, I know some of you in this room have homeschooled your children, and my wife and I homeschool our children, and one of the things that is always thrown up there is, well, how are they going to be socialized? How are they going to be able to interact with each other? And that's one of the things that probably bothers us homeschool parents the most. But the one thing we can, we can take out of that is that people understand that people need people. People need that interaction. And as we come together, as we come together as the church, that's one of the things that happens here. That we build each other up and that we, we are in the same boat. We understand that it's difficult sometimes to follow the will of the Lord in a world which seemingly laughs in the face of godly things. So as we continue today and we, we want to talk about the church, 
and church membership. Uh, the universal church is something that we want to just talk about for a moment and establish what the church is and, and, and define some terms. The universal church, as we can read about in Acts 2, in Ephesians 1, in Matthew 16, uh, verse 18, where Christ says, I will build my church. Well, let's go back to Acts 2. And in verse 41, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. And then in verse 47, following that up, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to the church, and that's, that's the universal church, if, to, to use that term. That's the church as a whole. All of the saved people in the world, and even those that have passed on, you know, they make up the church, those that have been added by the Lord. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 22, if you'll turn with me there. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, notice that it says the church. In Matthew 16, again, and I'm going to start reading at verse 15 uh, and, and, cover, and cover the verse that that we're mentioning here in verse 18, but in verse 15, it says, he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. We understand that that rock that the church is built upon is, is the, that understanding that Christ is the son of the living God. That is an immutable fact. That is something that can't be taken away. No matter what any person tries to do, no matter what any person says, that cannot be taken away. You know, the universal church is the plan for man to have fellowship with him. In 2 John 9... We read, anyone who goes too far and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. But the, the one who remains in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now, if we remain in the teaching and we learn that as part of the worship, part of the corporate action of, of the church is to teach, that there must be teaching that takes place. Uh, and so we've, we, we understand that the universal church is, consists of everybody who has been saved. The local church involves those that are saved and are in a location, you know, like we are here. You know, we, we, we make up the saints that live in and around the Medina area. And this is the local church here. There are other local churches in other places. If you drive over to Akron, there are local churches there. If you drive down below Canton, I know of one down there. As we travel, and, as, and, and we should do this, as we travel, we should seek out, and we'll see a little bit of, of an example of that today in the scriptures where the first century Christians, they sought out Christians in the places that they went. They sought out those local churches. 
But the local church are the saved that are in a location. Now, Galatians 1 at verse 2 and in 1 Corinthians 1 at verse 2, both of those, if you look at, the, look at those passages, it says, to the churches in Galatia or to the church in Corinth. So in Galatia, there's obviously enough, enough uh, uh, brethren there that there were more than one assembly. And then in uh, Corinth, it was written to the church in Corinth. Now, we understand that when the Lord added to the church on the day of Pentecost, you know, if, if he was just talking about one church that everybody had to attend together, every saint in the world had to come together on the Lord's day on, on, on Sunday, uh, then uh, we would all have to be somewhere else or everyone else would have to be here. You know, so that we understand that when we're talking about the, the local gatherings, the churches in a city, we understand that those people are made up of Christians, those local congregations, those local assemblies, but the universal church is also referred to in the scriptures. The local church is God's plan for the earthly fellowship of the saints. As we walk through our life, as we go through our lives, in order for us to come together, we have to come together in some kind of order. We have to come together and know where we are and be able to come together and worship the Lord and practice those things which we see in the scriptures. In Acts 8 at verse 1, we read, Now Saul approved of putting Stephen to death, and on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. So there we have a reference to the church in Jerusalem. So we've got churches in Galatia, we've got the church in Corinth, we've got the church in Jerusalem. And so we understand that there are those local assemblies of the saints. And then we understand that the uh, church is truly a blessing for the Christian, and we should seek out those that are of like precious faith. In Acts 13, verse 1, we read, Now there were prophets and teachers at Antioch, in the church that was there. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So there again, we have that re reference to churches in, in other cities. We understand that as we come together, this is truly a blessing here today. We are blessed by the presence of all that are here. It is a blessing to be able to come together and to be able to have this camaraderie, to be able to have this ability to come together in this singular focus of worshiping the Lord. You know, if we have blessings in life, we also have responsibilities. There is, think of a blessing in your life. If you've got children, they're, they're a blessing most of the time. And then, but with them, with that blessing comes great responsibility. You've got, to, you've got to take care of them. You've got to do the things that are necessary to keep them alive, to teach them, to bring them up in the care and admonition of the Lord, as the scriptures point out. You know, Adam and Eve had a wonderful blessing in the garden. They had the, the perfect life, so to speak. But they had a responsibility as well. 
Not only did they have that perfect life, but they were told that they could do anything. They could eat of every tree in the garden, but not that one over there. And so they had that responsibility to keep themselves from going against what God had told them. And with the prodigal son, he had a, a blessing in his father's inheritance, the inheritance that he received from his, his father. But his, his uh, responsibility in that was to tend it properly, which he did not do. When he was yet still at home, before he received his inheritance as a son, in order to be considered worthy of that inheritance, he, he obviously had to mind his father. He had to be part of his father's household. He had to, to help his father. When we are in a marriage, there's, that's a wonderful blessing that God has given us, that, that relationship that we can be able to be, uh, to have a helper, that we, uh, that we are able to have that person that is equal to us, that can help us out. It's a blessing if you're married. But it carries with it responsibility as well. It carries with it the responsibility of tending to that relationship, of tending to the needs of, of, of the other in that relationship. Anybody who has been married for any bit of time understands that this is true. And think of Job and think of, think of the responsibility that he carried out in his life. Think of uh, someone who's in the military. You know, if you're, if you're blessed to be able to serve the country, it carries with it uh, a contract, so to speak. It carries with it, you become, you become uh, one that works for the government of, of, of your country. And with that blessing of, of, of uh, whatever your pay might be, whatever your benefits might be, there is a, an expectation that you'll carry out some responsibilities along the way. You know, Hebrews 9 uh, verse 1 says, Now even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship and the earthly sanctuary. It's understood that in all of the areas of life we have blessings and we have responsibilities that come in hand in hand with, with those, those blessings. Now that first covenant that the Lord set forth for his people had regulations for divine worship and earthly sanctuary. The new covenant has regulations for divine worship. We've looked at those over these past weeks. And is to, to bring up this slide one more time, uh, to, just to look at this and remind ourselves of what those avenues of worship are. The church locally here affords us the opportunity to worship as we're scripturally commanded. It affords us the opportunity to come together with other Christians and to teach one another. You know, it's, it's, uh, if we think that we can just learn enough on our own, we're, we're mistaken. The teaching of others is extremely important because I may see something, I, I may read something and get something out of a passage, and yet Brother Rick might see something else. I've learned a lot from him in the, in the, in the past two and a half years or so that I've been here. I've been blessed to learn a lot from many of you, all of you in this room. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to come together and, and teach each other, to build each other up, to uh, you know, correct each other's errors. 
Now, it's a good thing when we can correct each other, when we can make sure that one another are on the right path. Prayer is something that we can do together here. The Lord's Supper, in a little while, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper, which is commanded of us. And the local church affords us that ability to carry that avenue of worship out. Singing and giving, all of those things. You know, we're commanded to give on the first day of the week. How will we give and what will we give to? How will that, that, that money be given to the work of the church if we don't come together? If we don't have some, some, uh, some organization to be able to, to distribute that money in a way which is going to be helpful to the Lord's, to the Lord's uh, desires. Now, the Lord gives us that organization. It's not, he doesn't leave it up to us to just say, well, do what you want with it in my name. But he tells us the things that can be done with those things, with, that, with those funds. And how the giving is to take place and how we are to use that, those funds. And that, that's, a, that's a lesson for, that's a completely new lesson, a different lesson. But uh, just remember those first century examples in Acts 2. Remember that they came together and did all of these things, that they had all things in common. And it says that when one had a need, you know, they would sell their belongings and take care of each other's needs. Now, I'm looking at that and, and thinking of their situation and thinking about how their life must have been turned upside down. You know, that was first century, those brand new Christians that are uh, coming out of Judaism and they, they have uh, been cut to the heart and they obeyed immediately. They were added to the church. And now what? Um, their, their, their life must have been turned upside down. Some of them, uh, for, for not forsaking the gathering together, might have, might have had to stay in that place for a little while and make arrangements that they could uh, form a church in their cities that they were, would go home to. There might have been that need locally at that time. So we see that they built each other up. They cared for each other. They took care of each other. And that's what we do want to do here. The church is our spiritual family. You know, the church as a whole. You know, I'm humbled by the fact that when I travel, and I've traveled a fair bit, at least on the eastern part of this country, and no matter where I go, I can seek out and find the Lord's church. You know, in, in, many, in many ways, when I go to travel, if there's not a congregation of the Lord's church there, I, I try not to go there. But uh, as, we, as we travel, I have been fortunate to be able to find many faithful uh, assemblies of the Lord's church. And it, when you walk in, it's, it's as though you understand you're with your people. <laughs> you understand that when you walk in, when you walk in and you sit down and you worship with the brother and even in several states away, you know, they have the same goal as you because they're looking into the scriptures. They're patterning their, their worship after what they read about in the scriptures. And there are those people out there. And that is that universal church. We can be built up by them. And uh, we, we do need to do our best to build each other up here, to be that spiritual family. You know, many times when we are obedient to the gospel, maybe that's going to drive a wedge between maybe us and, and our physical family. 
you know, I can think of, you know, I just, just in my, in my family, I can think of uh, instances in the past where people broke, broke up the family over less than religion. Make this decision to follow Christ, to do things that maybe are contrary to what the family has done for generations. Sometimes there will be a wedge driven between us and that family. But realize that we have a family here in Christ. We have this spiritual family that we can commune with, this spiritual family which can meet our needs. We need to be ready to do that for each other. We need to consider one another. In Hebrews, again, in verse 10, starting at verse 23, let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As we go through our lives, as, as we get closer and closer to that day of judgment, as we see time passing by, we should be all the more encouraging one another as, as the days go by. We need to watch out for one another. In Hebrews 3 verse 13 we read, but encourage one another every day, as long, it is, as, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceitful. Sin causes us to feel that temporary comfort. When we involve ourselves in sinful activities, many times we, we, we do that out of some comfort or habit. But we need to encourage one another to stay away from those things. We need to encourage one another now, as long as it is still called today. Not putting things off. You know, in Ephesians 5 verse 21, we read, And subject yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. You know, and as we think about this, elders are a part of the Lord's plan for his family too. As we understand from the scriptures... Uh, let's read Titus 1 verse 5. It says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Now as we look about in every group of people, we are human beings, and, and we lack in certain areas. And as we look around and we see, you know, uh, uh, in our amongst our group, when we look at each other and see what's going on amongst each other and considering one another and how to build each other up and be more firm in our foundation, we, we need to think about that eventuality of, of having elders once again. Now, it, there may be times as we've gone through in the last years where it's not been possible amongst the local group and that that just is what it is, but we should never lose sight. And I just bring this up to remind you to look forward. And for you young people, to look forward and to make choices in your life that will allow you to still be qualified to be an elder. Choices can be made in your young lives. Choices can be made in your old lives that disqualify you from service to the Lord's church in, in, in so, insofar as... You could not be a qualified elder. Something for us to think about, to look forward to. As we watch out for one another and we understand that, 
this is the Lord's desire for his church, we should desire for that to happen amongst us. We don't want to be comfortable with just the way things go. We want to look forward to that eventuality and make deliberate steps to make that happen, to be able to set forth that as a plan in our minds, that, that we might be that good and effective church family that the Lord built. The Lord designed his church by his authority in his name and told us exactly how he wanted it to be done. And we, we need to be sure to understand that that's the right way. You know, the church is not a house divided. You know, if the local church is to be effective and functional, we must be able to band together. We must be able to identify with each other, to commit to work with each other, and to do hard things. You know, as we come up in the future here, you know, that we're starting to talk about the, the fair booth and those are long hours. Those are hours spent uh, twiddling your thumbs in some, to some degree as you're sitting there. And as you try to talk to people, many times you'll hear, oh, no, 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 I, I don't need to hear about God. I have a Bible at home. I know right where my Bible is. It's in my cedar chest where it's been since 1962. You hear all of those things. Oh, I went to church once back in 1960. That was enough. You know, you, you hear all of these things and it's so disheartening and uh, it's hard work. You know, that cold calling, anybody who's a salesman understands that's hard work, but we need to commit to be able to work together here in this place, understanding that around us, unbeknownst to them, there are many that are lost and they need to be told. When we stand before the Lord and do we want to risk having been that, that question of why didn't you tell them you had an opportunity over here to tell them about the scriptures why didn't you do that and we want to do everything in our power everything in our power that we might be able to do what the lord has desired of his church we need to be locally organized as christ intended if we are to be effective if we are to be functional as christ desires us to be we need to be vigilant together and that's one of the things that is Christ organized the church as he's given us the way that it should be organized. That's part of it, that, that we would be watched over, that, that we would uh, make the right decisions, that we would avoid contentions and bickering. If you get any one group of people together, sometimes, you know, it's hard to get people to agree. You put the five of us and my family in the car and we can't agree on where to go to dinner. You put a group of people, and I've heard this from elders in the church, that uh, perhaps when, when they re redecorated or uh, built the building, that uh, there was contention over what color the carpet was going to be. And people were digging their heels in over not liking that color on the wall and so on. But when we have, when we are, have elders that are uh, in charge, that quickly goes away because... They make the decision, and then the flock understands that, that they have that authority. We need to be vigilant together and watch out for each other. We need to allow the brethren to be our family. And that only gets better when we organize ourselves as the Lord has intended. 
In Acts 9, uh, verse 26, we, we see something, another little glimpse into the first century church there. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So he's coming to find the local saints where he's at, but they're afraid because this is the guy who's been persecuting Christians. This is the guy who, who uh, they've come to fear. But uh, Barnabas sets things straight and writes a letter. And so the flock there in Jerusalem, they're looking out for each other. They're seeing before they let someone among, in amongst themselves, maybe someone who could be a ravenous wolf, as we read about in the scriptures. They vet him, so to speak. They, they say, is this, is this safe? And, and some of the other brethren reassure those brethren and say, he, he's, he's working hard. He is working for the Lord and do accept him. So we see that the local church was looking out for each other. They were looking out for the flock. And that's exactly what we should expect to do as well. In Romans 16, uh, we see another recommendation from between, between the saints in different cities. In Romans 16, verses 1 and 2, I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sencrea that you receive her and the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. You know, and if you keep on reading, you, you see more uh, into that situation. I encourage you to do that. But as we look at that example, we see again that uh, the, the, the church protects each other. We, you know, as we go... Uh, from place to place, it's not uncommon, you know, even today, as we see here in the scriptures, amongst the faithful brethren to receive a letter from the, from the place where they had worshipped before, just to say, yes, you can accept this brother, because they've been, they've been a good worker amongst us, and they are faithful as so, so far as we can see. And see, that's the thing, is we, the Lord adds to his church, and individually here, the, the local congregations being autonomous as they are, by God's design, so that we don't get some puffed up hierarchy amongst us. So you look around us in some of the religious orders and we see that there is this hierarchy and, uh, and it becomes corrupt. It becomes corrupt. Now there's a chance that among the local brethren, a local church could become corrupt. Could be that a couple men get together and have corrupt ideas and, and corrupt the church. But how far would that spread? That would only be as far as the local congregation. The congregation in the next city over would be not affected by that because they have their own elders that are answering to the Lord, looking into the scriptures to make sure that their flock is, taking, is being taken care of. You see the brilliance in God's design. This is, this is undeniable. The brilliance and God's design of his, of his church. You know, when we see these first century examples, we see an orderly assembly of the saints in different cities. They most definitely cared for and watched out for and submitted to each other in all humility. Now, in order for elders to be able to tend the flock, and we understand that that's a part of God's plan, 
But in order for that flock to be tended, the flock must be identifiable. You know, if we, if we turn to 1 Peter 5, turn to 1 Peter 5 and uh, we'll read the first, up to the first 10 verses. We'll, we'll see how far we go here. But 1 Peter 5, starting at verse 1, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might, may exalt you in due time. And then in verse 8, skipping ahead there, we read uh, the admonition to be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We see there, we see there that we should be submitting to one another. And we see there that there are those, that, and we, we understand that analogy of the shepherd. We know what a shepherd does. He takes care of his flock. You know, what shepherd lets his flock freely stray with no direction? And just lets, lets his flock stray in and out of the next flock and, and go here and go there with nobody watching. Nobody making sure that he is, that, that that particular lamb is okay. No good parent lets their young subordinate children come and go with no connection to the family. I say no good parent because unfortunately there are parents that do that. I've had the unfortunate uh, time in my life when, when, when I taught driver training. I would come across uh, children from time to time, young, young men and young women who were just like that. One, one family that comes to mind, the, the mother left and went on vacation with her boyfriend for two weeks, left the kids with $10 to eat. Uh, another uh, family, the young man was in a lot of trouble. In fact, uh, the young man at 16, his girlfriend was uh, with child, and his mom, uh, most nights, slept at the bar. We drove past a, per a particular bar one day, and he said, that's my mom's car. She slept there last night. That's an unfortunate thing. And I can tell you that that boy was misguided. I can tell you that it was trouble. And as we look around us and we understand that the Lord looks at us as his family, he wants us to have that same direction. He hasn't left us by the wayside to just do what we will. He's given us instruction, but we must listen. Anybody that has children knows that they sometimes don't listen. We still desire that they do. We hope that they do. And we hope that they continue to listen as they get older. But sometimes they don't. We don't want to be those children of the Lord. He doesn't desire this sort of chaos for his children. You know, 1 Corinthians 14 to verse 40 reminds us 
to let all things be done decently and in order. God is an orderly being. The Lord established an orderly church, and we should desire to do just that. You know, the, the word of the Lord is clear. It is unmistakable what he desires of his people. As one preacher that I listen to from time to time says, you've got to have trouble to misunderstand. You got, you've got to have help to misunderstand that. Uh, and uh, that, that's exactly what happens. Sometimes we allow others to help us misunderstand the word of the Lord. We allow others to teach those things which are different than that which was delivered to the saints. To quote the passage in Jude, was first delivered to the saints once for all. So the word of Lord is the word of the Lord is clear. You know, in times gone by, he's overlooked the times of ignorance. In the times in the Old Testament, there were times of ignorance. There were things that were done that he that he winked at, as the as the King James mentions. God is now proclaiming to mankind that all people everywhere are to repent. In Acts 17, 30. In John 5, starting at verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, a time is coming, and even now is arrived, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he gave the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. You know, as we've looked through these things, we understand that we must hear the word of God. And as we have looked through a little bit about the church today, we've looked a little bit through about how he desires for us to be connected, we understand that it is, it is only fitting that we identify with a local group of people. That, you know, I'm not sure I even like the word membership, because that brings with it a connotation of so many earthly things. But... It works, but to I, the local saints should identify with, with one another. Identify that we're going to meet here at this place, and we're going to put forth an effort to work together as the Lord has commanded. And so it is only proper to make that, to, to make that, uh, to make that known. If you're worshiping with a group of, of saints, uh, realize that it is to your betterment to place membership with them, to place that identification with them, so that you may be blessed by the Lord's design of his church, that you may be blessed to be overseen by godly elders, if that be the case, and that perhaps by identifying with that group of people, you might be able to be that elder someday. You might be able to work towards that. You might be able to put things in order in your life that allow you to be what God desires. Maybe you're the one that can be able to make that difference. Maybe you're the one sitting here today that hasn't obeyed the gospel. Maybe you're the one that can hear today and hear the word of God. Have you heard the word of God? Will you answer that call before it's too late? We need to each ask ourselves if we are subject to Christ's invitation. We need to ask ourselves if we've you know, heard the word of God. Have your ears been open? Have you been listening? Have, uh, have you looked into the word of God and realized that, you know what, I haven't been doing those things? Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Repent and turn away from those old ways. 
leave the sinful acts behind and look forward to a new goal of heaven after a while. We must always keep our eyes on Christ, whether we're in Christ or not. We must always focus on Christ. We can't be ashamed to confess him before men, and we should not be afraid to be baptized for the remission of sins. We can be raised to walk in that newness of life. We have the, the wonderful example of our brother that did that last week. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we can be built up by that, by that example and remember. Remember that it's important to never stop. To never stop sharing the gospel. There are those that will obey. And then... Once we've done these things, of course, the hard part is remaining faithful. Have you been faithful? If there's breath still in your body, realize that that goal of that crown of life is what you're looking for. If you've fallen away, if it's in a public way, then by all means, as your family, as this local group of saints, we're here to support you. By all means, come and share with us and help us to be uh, those that can pray for you, that you might be restored to faithfulness. Whatever your need may be, please don't wait another day. As Acts 22.16 says, Now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you're subject to the invitation, please come forward as we stand and sing.